Hello, welcome back to the Book of Medora. It's me, Crystal. With me, as always, is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. Today, we get to go to the hottest tourist destination in Hyrule. That's right, it's Goron City. Yeah. We, we do love the big rock people. It is hottest, both literally and figuratively. I think it's cooled off a lot, actually, in this game. That's true. It's a pleasant mountain town. When I saw deer around, I kind of freaked out on the mountain. Yeah. How did you feel when you first went up the mountain, Crystal? Bigger than I remembered. Yeah? Took a while to get up there. That's true, it did. It did take a while. And I guess it feels bigger, too, because the lava cooled, so there's more space to walk around it. Yeah. Yeah. All those big lava pools are now mostly just rock. And I can see why this is the one that gets called a city, because the Gorons are kind of spread around. There's a lot of, like, side areas that are close enough to the city to still kind of be part of the city. They have a little metropolitan area. They have a little bit of urban sprawl. Yeah. But all of the places surrounding the city are mines, right? Yeah. There's the hot springs. Ah, uh, yes. There's, there's a restaurant. There is a restaurant. Quite a ways down. There's all sorts of things. They're yeah, trying to open Nintendoland? Yes, they are opening amusement park rides at Universal Studios' Nintendo Land. Yes. I I definitely thought about Nintendo Land when they announced that everything was delayed a bit or not ready yet. Oh, well, you mean in the happy, fun minecart world? Yeah, because it, it's not open because every uh, adult Goron is on street drugs. They are on street rock. Street rock. That is a drug. Okay. So, <laughs> I... I, f- I, I feel pretty confident in saying that maybe the most surprising part of Tears of the Kingdom is that you go to Gorn City and everybody is hooked on drugs. Yeah, this is a kind of comedy that Zelda hasn't really done before. Yeah, it's like, uh, God, what would you even compare it to? American stoner movies. It is a little bit like American stoner movies. Are, are the Gorn... Uh, on weed? No. No, they are not. Well, they're on anime weed, where weed can just kill you if you smoke too much of it. <laughs> I, I like calling them stoners because, you know, rocks, but... <laughs> right, yes, but no, I don't think they're stoned. They are, uh, they are bad tweaking. Whatever they're on, it's real bad. The, the, well, the thing is, to me, they do seem irritable, but they also just stay in one place and eat and don't work, which feels like weed to me. What do you see it as, Monica? Well, because of the highly addictive quality, I was thinking of heroin or opium, but... Opium would make sense. The one that I I settled on, I think, is alcohol. Really? (laughs) Because assholes. Just alcoholic assholes just be that way? I mean, it's the one drug that I know turns you into an asshole sometimes. Not you. That's true. But, like, general you. I don't know what opium really does to a person. It's always been almost a fairy tale drug to me. I think you just want to lie around and smoke it. I don't know. I mean, that sounds a lot like this. But the Gorns are mean. They're running scams for money (laughs) on top of the not working and just eating thing. How did you feel when you first ran into a Goron and they tried to shake you down for cash, Crystal? Luckily, my little Gerudo friends helped me out, told them to, to piss off. Oh, yeah, that does happen. That's right. She saved me from the scam. What was the scam? They were trying to sell you? 
Or were they just demanding your money? Yeah, they were just shaking me down for entrance into the city. Ah, okay. It's the Gerudo um, ore buyer who saves you from it, right? That's right. And I gratefully sell her all my ore when I have ten of them. That is completely reasonable. She always defaults to asking for diamonds from me, and I'm like, I just, I can't. There was one time I was able to, and that was great, but diamonds are a lot. I mean, if you fight a lot of enemies, you're never hurting for materials to sell in this game, so mm-hmm. you shouldn't theoretically be hurting for cash either. But there's a whole bunch of upgrades that require diamonds. I kill a bunch. Of, I'm saying you don't have to sell your diamonds. Yes. I, but I'm the kind of person who walks by a camp and goes, well, might as well get some parts real quick. They're very useful. Okay, what's the story of this this area? <laughs> Very fortunately, uh, the kids and the old people cannot eat the drugs. It's too hard for their teeth. Sorry, I jumped. Unobo Co. has been founded by Unobo, and uh, shortly after the upheaval, he goes up to the caldera, and Zelda's there, and that's great, and she gives him a neat golden mask, and that's when things get fuzzy. A luchador mask. Is it a luchador mask? It's kind of a luchador mask. It's basically a luchador mask. What makes me wonder is, was Unibo wearing that, like, fuzzy Yakuza leopard print outfit when he went up there already? Or was that, like, gotta pair it up with a luchador mask? What do you think, Crystal? I think his little Fred Flintstone vest is probably his business vest, yeah. What? (laughs) Doesn't look kind of like a Fred Flintstone vest? It's got, like, the leopard print? I mean, I guess it kind of does. This is like what Fred would wear like on a night on the town. This is me reacting to the discussion of the Fred Flintstone vest. But doesn't it look like a Fred Flintstone vest? It does. I'll go with yes. I mean, I, I would compare it more to like the Oni clothing. I thought sure, it was sort yeah. of... Tr- he's a Yakuza boss. That that part's definitely true. Because Unibo is trying to do a capitalism and also... A- Sell drugs. Yes, a Yakuza. Oh, yes, and then so Princess Zelda tells him to mine the Red Rock, which I guess only he's really strong enough to break off. Yes. And, yeah, everybody's got drugs now. Everybody's got drugs now. This seems a little bit more active than Phantom Ganon's been in else other places. We need to clarify that not everyone is on drugs. Only young adult Gorons are capable of eating the stone. Kids don't have the jaw muscles necessary to bite through it, and the adults, their teeth are too corroded to get through it. Like the elder Gorons, they can't eat it either. So it's only that one model, the adult Goron, that's hooked on this shit. And all the old people are like, oh, these kids always on their phones doing drugs. It's so fucking bizarre that we're in a Nintendo game and there is an entire major quest where you are just wandering around in the middle of everyone doing drugs and being surly and shit. It feels like... An... Crystal, when you were a kid, did you ever get like... A, or maybe this was after, before your time. Did you still have dare presentations? Oh yeah, we had plenty of dare presentations. Did you ever watch that one where like all the different cartoon characters come together to save this kid from getting on marijuana? I never saw that one, no. We mostly just had cops talking to us about how weed will kill you. Yeah, yeah, we had that too. I remember mine. I think the cop who was our D.A.R.E. representative ended up uh, being found out for doing some bad shit. But uh, anyway, yeah. Was this it fe- drugs? This felt like, no, not drugs. Oh. 
it felt like going through some uh it, 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 this felt like a dare cartoon to me well, i've got to look that up hold on you two keep going while i look up this fucking video to me it felt like a kids these days sort of thing it was more about kids be youths being lazy rather than drugs funnily enough for a storyline involving drugs yeah, this did kind of remind me of Miyamoto's quote about how he wants to make a game that teaches, uh, like, freelancing young adults to pay their taxes. That does sound like Miyamoto. But what? actually, that's a very useful skill to have, knowing how to pay your taxes when you're a freelancer. Let me look up this Miyamoto interview. Please. Okay, I have found the cartoon that I watched when I was a child. Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. I never had any anti-marijuana things. Well, you didn't live in the United States, where the war on drugs was a proxy war for the government to keep down minorities. Yeah, I'm sure Canada's that y'all not, had the same thing up here. Canada's not that different. I'm just trying to think back. Like, back when we were RAs in university, there was a marijuana bonfire so we could recognize the scent of marijuana. Yeah. Held by the cops. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I think I, that's I, I the would, only... I don't think they did that when I became uh, an RA. Oh. I don't know why they burned a I don't. I don't know why they just fucking hotboxed the entire RA team in your year. Okay, here, I found the interview from Entertainment Weekly in 2007 by one Jeff Keeley. What? This is the same interview where uh, Miyamoto says that he could make Halo. It's just that he chooses not to. Oh, hell yeah. Get him. Get him, Miyamoto. And uh, let's see. About the freelancers. What are some real-world issues that you would consider putting into a game? I have some ideas. One is that in Japan, there are a lot of trains that have sections reserved for the elderly or pregnant women. Young people in Japan sometimes sit in them, but if people come up and need them, you're supposed to get up. But most of the kids don't. It really upsets me. If I could build a game that somehow made the young people respect their elders. And there's another issue bugging me. In Japan, there are a lot of people who freelance or work under the table. People who don't pay any taxes. I look at places in the world where people understand that paying taxes to the government helps society. In Japan, there's not that understanding. So social responsibility is yet another issue I might address in a game. But I probably sound like an old man when I bring these things up. Well, no shit. <laughs> Crystal, That's you magical. gotta you gotta link me to this so I can read it. That is easily the oldest that Miyamoto has ever been, and he was only like fifty. Yes, this was fifteen years ago. I feel like the problem of people working under the table, not paying their taxes. There's plenty of old people doing that. Yeah, you get you get your fucking cash. Yeah. To me, that's more of like an old person issue than a young person issue. Hell, we do that all the time with small businesses where they're like, hey, can you pay us in cash? We'll give you a discount. We're like, hell yeah, I will, brother. Run by old people. Yeah. Gotta help out a family business. God damn. You know rent in this city? Do you think Link could eat a marbled rock? Yeah. Crystal. Well, he can't, though. He doesn't do it. Well, he doesn't, but that doesn't mean he cannot. I think if he could, he would. (laughs) You... You think that he'd look at... This thing is clearly full of malice or some gloom shit. You think he would eat it? Like, does he just not recognize what it is? He could go... He could get purified by light. <clears throat> I don't... Yeah, I don't know if he would be corrupted even if he tried to... I, at the most, he'd be injured, I think. Just for the record, Crystal, I want to let you and our listeners know 
that Monica has a note in here. What would happen if Link tried to eat one? <laughs> what? It's, oh, a, it's a great question. question. I mean, if it's malice that awakens the darkness inside you, clearly the darkness that's inside every Goron is to just be kind of a lazy scam artist. Just trying to but be a rock. what's the darkness inside Link? Murder. Murder, okay. He'd become Murder? a serial killer? No. I just think he would get a lot more violent. He's already very violent. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see how he could get much more violent. No, the the version of him that's building all these drones in the <laughs> Twitter videos, he those are the guys who ate the rock roast, the marbled rock oh, roast. Yeah, yeah, no, Link eats the rock roast and tortures some Koroks. Yes. No. He, he's the one oh, who no. makes, like, the turning spit roast with six Koroks attached to it. <laughs> The conclusion is Link has eaten the rock roast, or the player has. Yeah, the player ate the rock roast for sure. And turned mean. The thing is, I, I think that Link knows what this shit is. This is one of the games where I'm willing to point at it and go, this Link has enough pattern recognition to know more or less what's happening at the same time that the player does. Because, and this Link also embodies the player. Yes. Well... Uh, the Gorons are very mystified because Princess Zelda, one, gave Unibo the mask, and two, uh, told them to eat or mine these rock roasts. And there's and, just a mountain of them in the middle of town. Yes, burning. And and Link never points out anything about it. No. I mean, do you, Crystal, do you think that it is Link's moral duty to tell people to stop that? Yes. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> He's supposed to be a good guy who helps people. Do you think that he is trying to tell them? Who are you asking? Uh, hmm. uh, Crystal, you, both. Well, he doesn't say anything, so I, I guess no. My assumption is that he sees that the kids and the elderly are already telling the hooked-on-street rock Gorons to stop eating it, and it's not working. So he figures that talking to them isn't going to solve the problem. How about pointing out that there's this mysterious Zelda that first buries them underground, then, you know, erupts a volcano, and then the whole other rest of the monster stuff that is not Zelda. so cool. We'll get to the volcano. Side. I think the only way to reconcile this is if all of these quests are the first quest that Link does. Oh, yeah? So they're all the first time he encounters the Zelda that's obviously a puppet. They all somehow happen at the same time. Oh, no. So we're playing through four or five different versions of Tears of the Kingdom simultaneously. That's right. This is the Oracle games, but on one cartridge. That's exactly right. It makes sense because I would really expect him to react a little differently. There should have been different mini cutscenes where at least expressed doubt. Or at least like he looks really fucking serious whenever he sees the Phantom Zelda. Right. Or give an extra line saying, you know, Unibo and the rest of the sages go, what do you mean it's not Princess Zelda? At least something like that. Yeah, something like that. But that's outside of the scope of the writing of this game. I, I know that a lot of people are going to be upset that we're so down on, on this sequence and little bits of the writing. To be clear, our criticisms, at least for me and Monica, come from a place of love. This is a great game, but we want it to be perfect. This I really like the sequence of the four. Really? I think like the, the Gorons are just so funny. They are very funny. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's really funny that they're, they're assholes hooked on, on fantasy drugs. Ah, 
give me your fucking pocket money for what? So I can buy more drugs. And then they're so lazy they can't even go into the mines to mine more drugs. Which they can't even. Could they actually get it out on their own? Maybe that's why they don't care. Maybe. But they need to get rupees to buy the drugs. It's even more capitalism. Yes. I like that Phantom Ganon has got them. He Phantom Ganon is managing to impoverish them even while hooking them on drugs. I guess that's the thing is that there's a strange sense of modernity here, both with the drugs and with the the capitalism. So you're saying this that being a city in, in this sequence Obviously, this comes from a different cultural and national background, but as viewed from you and I who live or lived in the United States and grew up there, um, Phantom Cannon and the Goran sequence is kind of like Ronald Reagan. Yeah, he's a little bit like Ronald Reagan. A little bit like Ronald Reagan. It also reminds me of in Starfield when one of the planets is just a cyberpunk city, even just though the rest of the universe isn't really like that. It's just from Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, just this one corner of space is Cyberpunk, but not the rest of it. That's where all the Cyberpunk fans go to live. That's right. Are, are the other areas of space similarly uh, diverse in their presentations? Yeah, the three main areas of space are Airport, Cowboy, and Cyberpunk. Airport? Yeah, the New Atlantis, the capital city, is it basically looks like a large airport. Oh, that is what some people think the future looks like. Does it have moving walkways? It does not have moving walkways. That would have been cool. That would have been cool, actually. Todd Howard is a coward because he didn't put moving walkways in his airport city. Hey, he figured out ladders. That's true. He did figure out ladders, I assume. How do they, how do they work in this one? Uh, you can walk up a ladder sometimes. Can you do it in first person or does it pull back? You know, it's infrequent enough that I don't remember. Oh, interesting. Huh. I think it might pull you back. Does it feel like Phantom Ganon is out to kill the, the Gorns in particular? Yes. Like, more so than the other races? No. Oh, Crystal, what do you think? Not more so, but he's definitely more successful here than in other places. Is he? I think so. Let's rank the the different crises. A crisis in terms of effectiveness at committing mass murder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's let's. I want to hear from you too. Um. So the Rito are kind of getting by. You know, no one's dead. Where are the adults? They're out hunting for food. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> they're starving to death. Yeah, but you know, they could set up a trade network once the bridge is fixed. That's true. Uh, then we have the, the Gerudo. They're, they're doing rough, admittedly. Yeah. They can't really set up a trade network. And they are besieged on all sides by bug zombies. That's right. They've already retreated underground. But they're okay underground. They do not have any way to get more food once the food they have runs out. That's all. Starvation is a real problem in this version of the setting. Anyway, go on, Crystal. And then we have... The Zora, who are basically doing fine, really. What? They're not doing that bad. They're all dying. They're, they're being poisoned. The only reason that they're alive is because women apparently all have magical water healing powers. <laughs> and even then, they're like, their their triage is overflowing, and they've got hospital beds out in fucking hallways and shit. 
I guess Sidon was holding back that stuff, too. Yes. If Sidon had not been holding it back, the place would have been flooded. And then the Gorons are, interestingly, don't seem to be doing that bad, but it's clear that this situation cannot go on. Yeah. I think we intercede in all of these during the period before it could get really bad. Yes. And I think that all three of the four would have led to mass starvation, whereas the Zora, they all... Well, actually, the Zora would have also suffered from mass starvation because the fish can't live. Yeah. In the muck. But they would have died of the poisoning first. Phantom Ganon's really into the starvation approach. Yes. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Now, Monica, how would you rank them in direness? Um, you know, when I was looking at the sequence, it felt like Phantom Ganon was more involved in a lot of the destruction of the Gorons. More right. so than, you know, a sudden blizzard, which a sudden blizzard could strike Rito Village for a while. Sure. Anyway. Um, the Zora one's pretty bad, though. <laughs> and and I think you are right that I don't know how they could really resupply the Grudo, but they seemed pretty comfy walled up. <laughs> okay. So, tierless is probably Zora, Gorin, Rito, then Grudo. Is that going up or down? Down. Zora, Rito, Gorin, Gerudo. Yes. Okay, Crystal. No, no, Zora, Gorin, Rito. Zora, Gorin, Rito, Gerudo. Crystal, what was your ranking? From most endangered to least endangered, uh, Gerudo, Rito, Zora, and Goron. Interesting, interesting. Huh. And Cam? Um, well, in every case, I think we're stepping into that spot just before things go really off the rails. Mm-hmm. But I think if I had to say, like, disaster is most imminent to disaster is slightly further away, I would rank it to, because for me, the Zora and the Gerudo, their disaster is right now ongoing. We are cutting it close with these two populations because of, you know, the zombies and the poison. So it'd go probably Zora, Gerudo, Gorin, Rito. I guess the difference for me is that with the Gorins, Phantom Ganon has succeeded in corrupting or whatever, but the majority of the Gorons. Sure. And every other one, they're they're working hard. They're they're getting by. It it might be a little bit tough, but they're making do. And the the loss of the spirit of the people is is the I'm weighing that heavily. Right. No, that's fair. It's, but but we are to the point where they've run out of food and Gor- they're going to run out of real food in Goron City soon, and all they'll have is drugs. How yes. can you run out of rocks? Well, they don't eat just all rocks, just in the same way that we humans don't eat all plants. My rabbits are eating Timothy hay right now, and I can't eat that shit. In fact, I don't think there have been rock roasts, like regular rock roasts, for a while. Yeah, they're running real low because the mining operation has been more focused on ore. Not just ore, but also the marbled ones. Well, yes. Yes. But they have free ovens. Yes, they sure do. It's so a good... why can't they just cook it? Well, Crystal, I don't fucking know. <laughs> do I look they like have I... free heat, they have free rock, you cook of the rock, and you eat of the rock. <laughs> they have a great situation going on. They do have a great situation going on. We don't know what kind of rocks they can eat. They don't like eating gems in this one. That's true, yeah, yeah. In Ocarina of Time, they loved eating gemstones. They looked so tasty. Just one, one little lick. 
of the gore and ruby. Just meh. But in this one, they're like, oh, gemstones are awful. Oh, disgusting. Don't know why everybody else likes them. But I don't know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they do seem to be potentially set up really well, but they have to be mining for something besides ore. I think they're mining for food. No, they, they, they're they wanting to, to make business booming for some reason. Oh, okay. More than one Goran talks about how business was booming or this will bring more people here and then something? Hey, I got happened? a real question for you two that's sort of a stupid kid kind of question that bubbled up from the 12-year-old part of my brain. Uh-huh. Could could the Gorons ever run out of rocks? I don't think so. Uh, if we look at Ocarina of Time, Gandorf could starve them by blocking Dodongo's cavern. Yeah, so. but in that one, they were basically, um, they were basically pandas. They could only eat the most succulent tender rocks. <laughs> yes. No, what I mean is, Gorons eat rocks. Uh-huh. Where does new rock come from? From Gorons. What? Do they get <laughs> Gorons? So, do they you think that, to the earth? Do you think that they keep all the mass of the rocks that they eat? No, some some of it I'm sure goes to waste. Okay, so you think they ex- excrete rocks too? They could. Okay. They poop out pebbles. I guess that makes a certain amount of sense. Maybe they poop them into lava flows. I don't. The, uh, new rock forms the way new rock continuously forms from out of the earth. Hey, we don't fucking eat and obliterate rocks. Uh, they don't eat that much. I do not believe you. <laughs> I don't I believe that, you. Go ahead. The magma is always shooting out and making new rocks. That's true. It flows. It's like a water system. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The the cycle of stone in Hyrule is a lot more active than on our Earth, I guess. They ate out the depths. The Gorons <laughs> ate out the depths. Now that, hold on. Let's let's stay on this for a minute. Because that makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> I mean, it has been a million billion years. And it was a lot of Gorons, potentially. Because we know that the Lost Woods are connected to Goron City. True. Maybe that's how that big hole to Termina got there. The Gorons <laughs> ate their way to Termina. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, I'm for this, actually. I like this idea. This is silly enough that I'm on board. They ate too hungrily. They ate too greedily and too deep. And I down mean, the... you know, it's just, it's just their role in the ecosystem. They make the cave systems. Oh, yeah, they'd be like big moles and earthworms, huh? Yeah. They stir up the earth so that other things can grow in it. And yeah, like dungeons. Like dungeons. Like we're watching fucking Delicious in Dungeon over here. It's like, uh, hey, we would like to build an underground temple. Let's hire some Gorons to to eat with their mouths to carve it out <laughs> of the earth. Yeah, that sounds right. Hey, did you ever read, um, God, what the hell was the name of that series? Artemis Fowl? I read uh, uh, the first couple books. I, I think I read the first one back when it was new. My I think my brother liked it, so I read it because he liked it. And I remember that the the dwarves in that setting were basically earthworms. Oh, yeah? Where they would eat rock and then poop out soil. That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Huh. I, Monica's making a face as if it's any different from rabbits eating grass and making po- cocoa puffs. No, no, it makes sense. I'm just like, you would effectively have to move out of your area because it's all poop, meaning soil, I guess. Well, in 
Norse mythology, if I recall, the dwarves were maggots that were eating the flesh of Ymir. So in many ways, that's also the origin of dwarves as worms. Huh. Uh, Zelda's floating around or walking around. I'd argue she isn't. <laughs> She's in the sky being a dragon. Somebody who looks like Zelda is walking around and heading, peddling street rock. Ronald Reagan is walking around. There's a, a, a Unibo boss fight. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Crystal, what did you think of the Unibo boss fight? I, it was fun. I like dodging his blows. It was like a little wrestling match. I like his subtitle, which was clearly not himself. Clearly not himself, Uniball. Yeah. I liked how we were talking uh, prior to the game's release about what that round ball was, because it kind of looked like a Gorin, but also that those weird spots, and it's just his loud vest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really threw us off with that fucking vest. Or threw me off, at least. You two, I think, were more on the level of recognizing as a Gorin. Yes. Yes. Or at least... Or at least Crystal was. Monica will say she got anything right in hindsight. Uh-huh. She she suffers badly from hindsight bias. Who doesn't? <laughs> Very few people don't. So when you knock the mask off and Unibo is his jolly old self and you go outside, uh, they're of the mind to climb Death Mountain because Zelda seems to be heading her way there. It's also where Zelda gave Unibo the mask was at the yes. top of Death Mountain. yes. And I really like how they've put even more minecarts around than in Breath of the Wild. That's true. You can do a lot with minecarts in this one, though. With the fans. Yes. And fusing them together and putting weapons on them and shit. And fusing them to flying. You can make them fly. You can also stick them on your shield and have a really great skateboard. That's right. I never tried that. Oh, it's one of the best ones. It's like... uh, I don't know if it's as good as using frozen prime meat, but it's up there. Do you two remember what happens when you ascend up to the caldera, Crystal? You have to play a little rail shooter with Unobo. That's true. You do have to play I a like little... I like this part a lot. It felt like Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Which Sonic the Hedgehog? Uh, the Sonic Adventure games. Ah. It did have on the little... rails. It did have a lot of that feeling, having to get past the enemies and shooting targets with Unibo while you were going at full speed. I really liked Unibo being your um, ammunition in this sequence. I didn't like it as much afterwards because he clearly bogged down flying machines. It felt like that, right? Crystal, when you were flying around with your wing machines, did it ever feel like he was putting weight on the front of it? I didn't feel like there was weight, but I did feel like he obscured my vision. I had to turn him off every time I went flying. And at the top, I think, is probably, like, Colgara's the best puzzle boss that the series has ever had. But I think at the top is the coolest mini-boss that the series has ever had. It's pretty cool. Second mini-boss of this area. Yeah. Which far outweighs the other ones? Yeah, there aren't any real mini-bosses in the other area. Well, there's kind of, but I don't count the sludge-like as a real mini-boss. It's just a fucking like-like that you have to spray with water. The explosion fills the caldera and with rock. No, and... tell, 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 tell people what you fucking fight. Yeah, I'm, I'm explaining the oh, explosion. Okay, okay. There, Zelda's there. She's walking towards the, the rim of the volcano. Uh, giant blasts of smoke and gloom drift up and she does her Sephiroth moment. Uh, and rock blocks the caldera and pointy spires pop up and it is Moragia. 
And Which luckily, is... there's all the materials you need to build a big a fighter jet to take down Moragia. I really love that they have you build a fucking fighter jet to take this thing on. So, Moragia because Volvagia and what? I'm not sure about the more prefix, but the Agia prefix implies maybe draconism or something. Relation to lava. What were the Skyward Sword moles called? Magma? Magma. Magma. Mora. More. I don't know why. There are three heads. They're kind of like dragons? Yeah, they're a lot like the three-headed Gleok, the tiny Gleok monsters from Skyward Sword. They remind me of a Super Mario Galaxy dragon. Okay. Go off. I don't remember the name of it, but if you search Super Mario Galaxy dragon, you'll see what I mean. Gobblegut is his name. (laughs) Oh yeah, that guy. That guy's great. I'm totally stumped by the Morag part. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe they're this thing is just a big fan of Xenoblade Chronicles 2. What's a Mora? No, Morag is a um, playable character who's like a general of the Empire, and they've got some gender going on. Sort of. You know, and as much as anything in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 can have gender going on. The Morouge Swamp from The Adventure of Link? Hmm, that could work. It It is a feminine name? Scottish female given name. What are the names of all the worm enemies in Link to the Past? You know, the big boss thing you Mulder? hate. Mulder? Oh, Mole. More. It may be the same phoneme. Oh, because Eleanor. Yes. Morvagia. Yes, or Molvagia. Like moles. <laughs> yes, like moles or worms. Instead of Moldorm, Molvagia. I'm going to call Mulgara that song. Molgara from Wind Waker. Like Molgara from Wind Waker. Okay, got it. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is Molvagia. It was not a very difficult fight. Oh, no, it's quite easy, but it's it's great spectacle. I like a nice spectacle boss. Yeah, Colgara is a great spectacle boss. This is a very great uh, spectacle mini boss. And then you kill it. What, ha- what happens when you kill it? I kind of forgot. You open the big hole. Yeah, it's time out. to jump into the volcano. Remember when Unibo watched you jump in Breath of the Wild and he was like, okay, good luck down there. But now he's the first one to jump down. That's he's braver. He's so much braver. It comes with being a CEO. I don't think it does. <laughs> I don't think that's true. You know, being a CEO is kind of like being a father to a family. We're all really a family here. And that means you all owe me um, filial piety. Bluto didn't improve. You mean the big boss? Yes. How do you mean? Oh, he still just got his back cricket, so he can't do anything. He's genuinely just old, man. Okay. Crystal, where do you come down on Bluto's health problems being fake? Do we think... He might be faking? Now, see, Monica's been nursing this idea for a long time that Bluto and Breath of the Wild is faking his back problems because he doesn't want to go fight Farudania. Yes. Why do you think that? I think it's because he talks a very big game about everything. Like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to blah, 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 but irk my back. And I'm like, yeah, you. If, if your back was really acting up all the time, I feel like it would be more like... I would help you with this, but my back is fucked. Sorry. But old people love to pretend like they don't have medical problems that they obviously have. <laughs> so you think that he is talking a big game, but genuinely does have the back problem that prevents him from, from doing anything. I, th- 
I think he doesn't want to be treated like an old man, but he clearly is. He's so fucking old. He is he's he is horizontal. His neck is horizontal, basically. <laughs> he is one of those turtle grandparents from the anime when people would get like he comes he has the stoop of a person who lives in a strictly agrarian society who has been working the fields for his entire life. See, and mentions in this one he can't even go over to talk to Unibo because Unibo HQ is across the way, like in a mine, and he can't even board a mine cart right now. Is this guy so close to death, like <laughs> confined to the city? Well, to be fair, to board the mine cart, you have to go through a whole rigmarole of attaching the fan to the mine cart. You gotta pick it up. You gotta put it down. You gotta squeeze in there, which is gonna be tough for him. He's and huge. then you gotta ride it, and then you gotta get out, <laughs> which is also gonna be tough for him. That's fair. He honestly needs mobility assistance anytime he goes around. It's not clear if he can even roll up and roll anymore. Okay, near death old guy. I'm not saying he's near death. Just that he's got creaky bones. He what? could he could have another hundred years in him. When old Gorons die, they just turn back into rocks. When, That's basically what I think, yeah. When old Gorons die, okay, I've decided. When old Gorons die, they turn into rocks that expand to contain the same amount of mass as all the rocks they've ever eaten. And that's why Death Mountain's so high? Sure. Oh, so Death Mountain is, is a pile of dead Gorons. Sure. When it's time to die, <laughs> yeah. you, you go down into the earth... And there's an earthquake when your body just erupts into new stone and more Gorons can be born from you. I was thinking a calmer process where you just kind of like find a nice spot to lay down and you do your final roll into a, a ball and you just kind of fade into the rock. You're just a rock. Now. Yeah, I think it's if we're drawing from Bluto, who is so old, he can't really get around and you, you start to not be able to get around at all. And then you stop talking a little bit more and then you just turn into a rock. Oh, you're thinking like, um, oh, oh, what is, there's a story where old dragons turn into trees. I don't know. I'll, I'll remember it later. But that's a nice thought. That's a nice image. It's, it's a caldera driving around time. Okay. Tell, tell me what's happening. You land in the middle of the caldera. It is pretty dark even though there's lava everywhere. Oh, let's, let's, let's be clear. You jump into the center of the volcano mm -hmm. and you go down to the depths. Yes. Which I guess the magma has really receded. Yeah, the magma chamber is this far down. Lava? Magma? I'm getting them confused again. Lava is exposed to the air. Okay. Magma, magma is beneath the earth. And what would these be? <laughs> I don't fucking know, dog. Crystal, is this lava or magma? I would guess magma. Okay. Okay. It's technically there is air down here, but it's pretty far down. It's pretty far down. Uh, there are marbled rocks everywhere. And there are, I think there's there's Goran statues, right? Leading you to Gorondia? Or yes, there are. There's a route you have to take. The actual approach, the approach to the temple in this one is bigger than any of the others, I think. Because the, you have to track up Death Mountain. You have two separate boss fights, and then you have maybe the longest trek through the depths in the entire game. Crystal, did you like this sequence? Yeah, I thought it was fun with my little car with the flashlight to make my way to the ancient city. Yeah, it really has a feeling like an adventure. Yeah, it felt and very... And you get to see 
You get to see a lot of Goron ass on the way. A lot of Goron ass? From the statues. Oh, do they have pronounced booties? They have a noticeable butt crack. Oh, well, okay then. I think I noticed too, yes. Oh, all right. Good for them. It felt very strange and dangerous. Like, uh, at this point, I had been in the depths for a while, but obviously this part's all sealed off or just quite inaccessible. So it felt like a new a new journey. I agree with that. And the fire temple, Garandia looks great. Aesthetically, a fine temple. I really like the way that even when it's dark, you can still see the lava everywhere. Yes. Yeah, that is pretty cool. How did you find Garandia to play, Crystal? This is HD GameCube to me. This is maybe my favorite temple. Mm, maybe my second favorite temple to play. Wow. Wow. Do you do you mean in the game? Yeah, in the game. Okay, okay. Yeah, this is also my favorite temple in the game. Could, could you two expand on why? Crystal first. Uh, I like doing all sorts of little minecart tricks. Feels much like Sonic in that way. <laughs> True. I like the vibe of the particle effects everywhere. It reminds mm-hmm. me of Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unobo's ability is fun. That's true. Yes. I like setting up little ramps for him. I like the verticality of the place, how you can get to different levels in all sorts of ways, if you wish. Yes. That's about it. <laughs> how about you, Monica? I really like the atmosphere. It felt it felt like a lost city or mining comple- complex, and... I love, you know, the pillars, the torches that are still going, I be- guess because it's very hot down here. Uh, you know, the rooms where there were all of those uh, equipment laid out. I liked navigating via the map and figuring out, oh, I have to go here. And that means I need to change the rails this way. And I know there was a lot of ways to do shortcuts, but I wanted to travel the way that the city was set up. So I like that. I will say that I had a good deal of fun playing through it, but it was also a playthrough that had a lot of friction for me because at some point I got turned around and lost track of which way I was supposed to be going and also lost track of which switches I had or had not activated. So I started Spider-Manning all over the place instead of using the rail cars. It, it was a very different, but I think in some ways equally fulfilling experience. The Terror of Garandia. The Terror of Garandia. Just Link climbing the walls like a spider. Oh, yeah, that's him. He is the shat- the spider shadow of Garandia. What do we make of Garandia itself? Like, wh- when is this from? It's a great question. There, much like the other temples, is evidence of Zonai, and there are Zonai constructs around. So I think it's a hybrid project shared between the Gorons and the Zonai. But that could still mean it's a very, um, it could be said at any place in time. Where do you think it's from, Crystal? Do you think this was active during the time of Rauru? I think it was either active during his time or it predates him significantly. Yeah, I guess it would have to be there by the time of Rauru because Zelda visits the fire stage here. Yes. Finally, on, with the particle effects of fire in the background. Yes, she's not on fire. She's fine. She used the she used the fireproof potion. And Death Mountain exists in the past, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. It had the classical donut smoke. Yeah, it had that Ocarina of Time donut smoke on it. Do you two think it so was So why actual- did they leave Garandia? Something bad beneath the earth, I think. Like what? Demons? 
Maybe. Demons? Okay, yeah. Skyward Sword times. Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword. The Demon War. The rise of Maladus and Demise and all those guys. That would that would be enough to drive people out of the underground, I think. The thing that confuses me is this is this is underneath the caldera of Death Mountain. The the magma, the lava was a lot higher. So maybe it was just within the the magma at the time? So it was literally buried in magma, just Yes. Huh. I had not thought of that. But it must have been, right? If if the lava was that high during Breath of the Wild, yeah, I guess it would have been. But if that's the case, then most of the depths might have also been because the because the magma chamber of Death Mountain is exposed in Tears of the Kingdom. Do we think that the upheaval could have broken the chamber? Yes, it could have. Yeah. Yeah, we've got either two possibilities. Uh, one, it used to be that the depths were completely full of magma. Or two, the magma chamber beneath Death Mountain shattered during the upheaval and it drained off into different areas. And that's why we can go down there now and why Death Mountain isn't hot anymore. In fact, it's not even properly a volcano at this point. It's just a mountain sitting somewhere above an unconnected field of magma. Is Elden Volcano Death Mountain? Mm, I think that it became the Death Mountain of... The second Hyrule. Okay. that That's my thought. What about you, Monica? Yes, or I guess in that range. Elden Mountain being the mountain from Skyward Sword. Yes. The thing about Garandia is that I don't think it was actually like a city as in we live here city. Why not? It's all mining operations. So was Goran City when we saw it in Breath of the Wild. In many ways, so is Goran City in Ocarina of Time. I guess that's all they really need. <laughs> well... Goran City and Ocarina of Time also had a flourishing uh, pottery industry mm-hmm. and the bomb flowers that they sold and things like that. Uh, the place that Zelda walked into the chamber is sealed by a gate and the gate has four or five locks on it and the locks are Vavrudania's head. That's true. Do we think that it's possible? Does this bring back the idea that Va Rudania may have actually been a stylized Dodongo? Hmm. It does seem like maybe they built Va Rudania to look like whatever is being represented here. And there was a, an art f- fashion style flourishing where they would wear the head of a Dodongo. Yes. Yes. I mean, if you were a badass warrior, I think wearing a Dodongo's head makes a lot of sense. Fair enough. If I was the unnamed, unfaced shade, uh, sage of fire, I would definitely wear it to Dongo's head. So the text in this game says that the helmets that uh, the champions can, like the helmets of the divine beasts, are the same helmets that were worn by the sages in Tears of the Kingdom. I would like to suggest that that's bullshit. <laughs> okay. That's it. That That is a weird kind of retcon to have. Why do you object to this? Well, one, it says that they're the same helmet, full stop. So why do they look so different now? And why were the Divine Beast designed based on the helmets of previous of ancient sages? Oh, 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 I've got it. Okay. It's like the she- ship of Theseus. Uh. It needed repair over time. And as it was being repaired, it wasn't a perfect repair. It was changed and stylized. There you go. There you go, I guess. 
I mean, when they rebuild the temples in Japan, is it exactly the same every time? It is the same building. But but does it look the same? I, it doesn't have does to. Does it look exactly the same? Yeah. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. You're right. There you go. You're right. Okay. But if you if you got to see what it looked like a hundred years ago and got to see what it looked like now, maybe be like not immediately recognize that as the same building. I don't know. Something about an unbroken line of helmets that extends across the entire canon of the series from a time before the master sword all the way up to now strikes me as having a it's just sort of strange it's got the whiff of the bloodline thing yes and i don't much care for that why not i i think i've been pretty clear that i've never cared for bloodline importance in fantasy stories the sheik are gonna execute you for that <laughs> i know big problematic over to the torture chambers and here i go beneath the well it's okay. I'll the thing about bloodlines is that people love to lie about them. That's also true. Absolutely. Oh, the royals more than anyone. Actually, that's true. Hold on a minute. They share. They they say they share the same bloodline, but just because they say it doesn't necessarily mean that that's true. That's right. Yes. We know for a fact that Gorans can't share the same bloodline in that sense because they don't reproduce that way. Right. But they do have ancestry in that Darunia. Not Darunia. Daruk. Daruk is definitively uh, Unobo's ancestor. Maybe Unobo sprouted out of wherever they buried Daruk's corpse. I guess so, yeah. What do you make? Yeah, I think that's how it works. But how does Little Link work in Ocarina of Time? Darunia lost another leg. (laughs) Did he regrow his goddamn leg? Why why are you laughing? I don't know. What's this about a leg? Another leg? Did he already lose a leg? (laughs) When did he lose a leg? I don't know. You, are you high? No. It's just a very funny image to me. Another. If his leg breaks off and becomes a little boy? Yes. That would be funny. Actually, I kind of like that. All right. But then how does he have a new leg? Does he just put a rock under there and his body incorporates the rock? Yeah. Okay. I can see why. Yeah, I could see Gorin having regenerative powers. Like a lizard. Like a lizard. They just are the- like the gecko. Just like the gecko, or maybe the dodongo. Like the dodongo. Hey, Crystal, you know what's really silly looking? What's that? This is going to seem like a weird non sequitur, but I was thinking about it because dodongos in Ocarina of Time have two limbs, right? Like King Dodongo has four limbs, but regular dodongos have two. Yes. And it got me to thinking about how I was trying to theorize how the musculature and skeletal framework would have to work for a person to have four or six arms and Uh out of curiosity i tried to look up how the mortal Kombat artists did that you know the ones who are made to look at real life gore and car accident photos and shit to make their fatalities as realistic and horrible as possible yes so in mortal Kombat 10 there's at least a couple of fatalities that render you down to just a skeleton so i looked up what does goro's skeleton look like because Goro is a famous Mortal Kombat character with four arms. Yes. And it turns out he looks like a really big human skeleton with an extra pair of arms attached directly to his ribs. Oh, that seems like it'd be a problem. Yeah, it does seem like it'd be a problem. There's no anchoring for extra muscles. There's not no, no extra shoulder blades. There's nothing. Just right on the ribs. If you get your arm torn off, do you get your ribs torn off? I guess so. That's going to suck. Also, they'd have no strength. Yeah. That's- that's why they move both arms on one side at the same time. 
Because there's little strings holding the bottom ones. So they're like puppets. Yeah. Oh, it's not really an arm at all. It's almost. It is an arm. Oh, they're vestigial. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. The idea of the Shokan having vestigial arms. Anyway, I'm sorry for bringing this up. Can we talk more about Garandia? Like, it's not actually a super long thing in terms of storytelling. There's you gongs. To, you go through, you hit all the gongs. You have to create ramps for Unibo to hit a couple of them. There's physics bits in here that make game programmers go, how are you making this run on a Switch? I, I am absurdly jealous of the time and care and fucking... Uh, culture of retained knowledge that nintendo was able to draw upon in a development environment that nobody else in the world can have because capitalism is like that you hear the voice of the sage calling to unobo calling him young little rock that is a weird weird turn of phrase yeah uh you manage to open the gate we need to get in there because zelda's in there even though she kind of ascended into the roof and fused with the the marble rock or whatever yeah and you get into the room, and uh, the rocks fall down. And they got a big eye. It's got an eyeball. It's marbled Goma. I always love to see Goma. It's good to see Goma. Every time I see a new Goma, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Goma. Oh, I love that guy. Let's go. D- looking at the form of Goma here, and it's got a really funny shape. The legs are made out of marbled stuff, uh, and that's what it kind of, like, sends out to bomb you with but the actual core body and where the eye is resting is sort of like a upside down jar or like a guardian's head shape like very narrow on the bottom and very wide on top yeah it's like a fountain fountain with an eyeball it's like a big bird bath with an eyeball on it crystal did you like this bots fight yeah it was fun i liked having to aim it is neat having to aim there's so many ways to get the rocks back up to where Goma's eye is. Because the first time I fought it, I didn't do the obvious thing, which is just using recall on the rocks that it threw at you. And I didn't even lift it up and throw it directly at the eye. I would use the rocks to blow up the legs individually by grabbing them with Ultra Hand. Huh. Uh-huh. Yep. All indications to the contrary notwithstanding, I'm often not great at on-the-fly puzzle solving of that sort. I think I used Unibo to, like, blow up the rocks in the way. Yeah, me too. They're definitely meant to be used as weapons themselves. I used Recall on the rocks. Smart. That's the way to do it. That's the big brain version. We lovingly stab Goma in the eye. Lovingly stab Goma in the eye. That's a sentence you came up with just now. Because we like to see see Goma. That, we do like to see Goma. Crystal, I forget, was your first uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina? That's right. Okay. So Goma was the first Zelda boss for all of us. The classic Zelda boss. You got to get to the eye and you got to hit the eye. It is the most fundamental element of a Zelda boss. <laughs> got to poke him in the eye. What ha- Monica, what happens when we beat uh, Marbled Goma by poking it in the eye? Uh... It explodes. Unibo is wondering if Zelda's inside the monster. It, that's been the thing the whole time. Uh, the the whole stock sage sequence happens with touching the secret stone. Ganondorf? Secret stone? <laughs> I think it's Demon King, but yes. Demon King? Secret stone? Unibo gets a nifty belt. He gets a belt? That's where the secret stone is. I thought he already had a belt. What would you call the thing that the secret stone is on? Oh. Call that a belt. Okay. It's a it's a nifty belt. It's a new belt. Uh, instead of handshaking, you fist bump. It was kind of cute. And 
uh, the rock roasts just dissolve. Yeah, the the source of them, which is marbled goma. They were eating marbled goma the whole time? I guess so. That's an evil sacrament. Do, do you think it was legs of the goma? Do you think that there were other gomas? It's perfectly capable of regrowing its severed legs. Very true. And one of its legs would be more marbled rock roast than we see in the entire game. The thing that surprised me is that you can just run around with one of the marbled goma legs on a weapon, and then you can also sever it and re-offer it to the gourds. I guess that's true. Don't do that. But the marbled rock roast all vanishes, and for a second the Gorons look confused and mad about it, but then the rock roast inside of their stomachs also vanishes, and they're like, whoa, what happened? I suddenly have work ethic. I feel like giving up my seat to an elderly person on the train. And paying taxes. And paying taxes. I feel like doing wage labor for the Unovo Corporation. Ugh. I feel like doing wage labor. What do you think's gonna... How do you think this corporation's gonna expand? I guess corporations do have to expand. Do you think that Uniboco has shareholders? It has the three founders, Unibo and two kids. <laughs> so do you, you're, you would suggest that it's not a Western-style um, corporation. It is a Zaibatsu. It's a Zaibatsu. What is a Zaibatsu? It's like a corporate structure that existed in Japan before uh, it was taken over by the United States. Mm-hmm. It was usually like family businesses no matter how big they got they were still owned by the family oh okay and you didn't really have shareholders as such you just had business partners i think the thing about it being founded by unibo and the two kids that were egging them him along is that unibo is i get the sense about uh, maybe a little bit older than those kids but not by much no those are definitely his schoolmates he just had a growth spurt yes like, his voice in Japanese is little kid. It's still little kid, six years later. Does that imply that Unibo is still, like... Do Gorons age more slowly past a certain point? They must. I guess they must. We don't see any Gorons, like, grow up from being kids to being adults or even teenagers. We don't see a teenage Goron model. We don't. We don't. The Gorons are the only ones who are kind of stuck at the same age as they were in Breath of the Wild, which implies that they are more long-lived than uh, Hylians, at least. That's a total reversal from my supposition that they died very quickly. Good. <laughs> I'm glad for it. The Gorons ask if, or the kid asks, if Princess Zelda was mad, we ruined the mask. And Unibo clarifies that we weren't able to catch up with her. And, huh, she walked towards the monster by choice. That's weird. And the kids ask, do you think Zelda, Princess Zelda is one of the bad guys? And instead of the, I would say, more logical assumption that they should be, which is, you know, she's she's done a heel turn for some reason. They're like, oh, yeah, maybe like maybe one of the monsters was presenting to be Princess Zelda. I think that that's a perfectly reasonable explanation for them to have in a setting like this one. I guess. I guess. Crystal, would you go towards the princess is actually evil or would you say this is probably some evil magic bullshit? Clearly, Princess Zelda has been going around building a good reputation such that people would never think she would turn evil. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good thing she interacted with her um, citizens, populace. Yeah, she did do that all the time. She formed all the relations so that Ganondorf's concerted efforts to uh, drag her name through the mud are largely all failures. I don't think that Ganondorf is doing this. I think it's Phantom Ganon. I meant Phantom 
I'm slowly dragging you toward Phantom Ganon being sapient on its own. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay, do we have anything else for the Gorin town? There's side quests. Oh, God. Uh, there is a funny Gorin with glasses that wants to eat ripened flint, and he's fun. That's true. Did you talk to this guy at all, Crystal? I don't think I did, no. He, he's at the restaurant, and once you complete the marbled goma fight, you can go talk to him. And he's looking for ripened flint. And ripened flint. Oh, right. Yes, this guy. Only one in a thousand. Yes. But you get a lot of flint in this game, so I thought it was a really clever way to get you to care about flint and pick it up and sell it. He's a very funny looking Gorin. I think I actually found a ripened flint in my first hundred. Cool. So that was pretty good. He is of the younger Gorin age, but he's not addicted to drugs because he likes, you know, aged whiskey? Coffee? What is this? Yeah. (laughs) He eats like human food, which makes him a super freak among the Breath of the Wild era Gorins. It kind of seems like he likes uh, Gachapon. Go on. Oh. Because it's only one in a thousand, you know? He's a gambler. Oh, shit. You're right. Which is okay by Nintendo standards. Please play Fire Emblem Heroes on your mobile device. He's looking for the ultra rare flint. He wants that SSS flint. He wants that five star pull flint. That's right. If there's only one in a thousand, like sure. 999 of the other ones are meh. Surely it's only one in, it has to be one in a hundred. But here's the thing, here's the thing. He's not gambling with his own money. He's, he's... Yes. Convince this sucker yes. to bring him the flints. Yes. And hey, I'll pay you back if I win. Yes. That's such a great scheme. Maybe he... I, I, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Maybe ripened flint isn't a real thing. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking he just found a really nice source of flint in this kid. And he's spectacularly wealthy which is why he travels around eating all this human food. And also, he's a jackass and a super freak. So every once in a while, he throws you money out of pity. That seems probable to me. How do you think of this, Crystal? There's so many devious Gorons. <laughs> this is the most devious one. This is this guy is the most devious in the entire... If Phantom Ganon was this devious, Phantom Ganon would win. He looks like the Pringles man. The motherfucker looks like Gene Wolfe. He looks like Gene Wolfe, the Pringles man. The Pringles man. He's here to eat all your Pringles, and one in a thousand Pringles, he'll give you a dollar. Um, there is the construction of Nintendo Land. Right, yes, you have, they're, they're, they're finishing up the magical Cartlandia, or whatever the hell it's called. Minecartland. Minecartland. Did you have fun in Minecartland, Crystal? Yeah, it was a fun little mini game. I like this more than most of the shooting mini games in Zelda. Was it good to see the Gorin Gut Brothers again? Yeah, I love the those Gorons guys. Are always fun to see. They're when they're not being on drugs. They're just so fun. They're just like that kind of almost wholesome hyper masculinity. Even when they're on drugs, they're fun. <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> I have respect for a good scam artist. Very true. A good scoundrel. We do love scoundrels on this podcast. Crystal maybe more than most. I like scoundrels. Yeah, not in the same way. And then uh, the the biggest, most pivotal side quest, which is the side quest that validates Crystal's theory about Gorin origins. Right, yes. Which is helping those two old Gorins 
find the place where they were born, which is the spot where they emerged from the earth beneath a full moon. I never did this. I don't know where that where you have to go. It's in the lake. Yes. There's uh, a cave in the lake, and there are actually two entrances for those who are trying to complete the map. There are two entrances you have to enter into. Uh, the top entrance is a small round hole, and so when the sun shines just right, it will beam a circular image onto the ground. And that was the first image, I guess, that these two Gorons springing from the earth saw and interpreted to be the moon. And you had to take a picture of it for them? Yes. Now, they have a fun bit of dialogue. Yes. When you bring them back the picture. They want to go see the spot, and they're getting ready to see it. But jokingly, that's going to take them like five to ten years to get ready. To get ready to go. They're in no hurry. Which bolsters the Gorons just move slower and and age slower than everybody else sort of theory. Yeah, that that time scale kind of in their heads shift in my head shifts them from being like they might live for a hundred years to they might live for a thousand. How are you two feeling about that? Well, let's do a little math. How long would it take someone who takes a long time to get ready to get ready? <laughs> um if I have depression, we'll say it might take me like two or three days. Okay, so let's say three days versus <laughs> ten years. Let's round. Let's say six fifty days divided by three days. So Gorons live one thousand two hundred sixteen times as long as a human. That was very quick math. But the part that baffles me is that Daruk is described as Unobo's ancestor, which implies he's not just his father. Right. Skipped a generation? Well, it could be... Dis Maybe it's more that Yonobo is his descendant, but ancestor could also be just one generation ancestor. I guess. In the same sense that my father is my ancestor. Is that what they call their dads? They don't have the concept of dads? No, no. Link the Goran definitely calls Darunia his dad. But this is millions of billions of years later. Crystal, what do you think? Um, I think it's a, it's a bit strange, but acceptable in a fantasy mode to call a father that you've never met who died 100 years ago your ancestor okay perfectly fine okay are we about done with the goran area we are done with the goran area so monica and i have something that we need to tend to in about an hour would it be okay for us to jump onto the emails yes that's fine okay cool it's email time if you'd like to send in an email to this podcast please send it to Book of Medora Podcast at gmail.com. Once more, if you want us to read your email right here in these recordings, please send to Book of Medora Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Crystal, did you get the uh, text file that I sent? Yes, I have it open. Okay, what order should we read these in? I will read first. Okay. Hello, Medorians. In Tears of the Kingdom, did Gerudo leadership choose to ally with the Kingdom of Hyrule after the Madulga attack failed, causing Ganondorf to bend the knee but plot to steal a secret stone? Then when he succeeded and commanded his monsters to kill all that ally with the Kingdom of Hyrule, it would explain why the monsters also attack Gerudo. I know that he is king by birth, but I'd like to think that there's a Gerudo council, or even queen, that can veto a Ganondorf-type character. Thank you for all your hard work keeping the timeline in order, Bella. Thank you, Bella. Just for um, clarity's sake, the uh, I did not include the subject line of this email. 
which was did Ganondorf go rogue? As in, did he go, I'm assuming, did he go rogue from the Gerudo hierarchy? What do we make of that? I think that even if there was not an outright rebellion, uh, he was not going to convince the Gerudo to charge against this Kamehameha that wiped out the Mulduga. That's very true. And even if he could get them to do it, he'd obviously lose. Yes, Hyrule was stronger at the time. Yeah, but do we think that there may have been like a matriarchal power structure in the Gerudo already? Or did the sage of the Gerudo simply take her place? Like, did she rise up in response to Ganondorf? There is a female well, power structure there that we know of already, which is the witches. Yeah. Yes. But they're pretty aligned with Ganondorf. Generally. We're, we don't see in this one, but I'm going to guess that they were a very pro-Malduga plan and then very pro-let's-ally, wink-wink plan. Where do you think the sage came from? Me? Either, uh, both of you. Crystal, any thoughts? Where did the sage come from? Well, she's just the gorilla with lightning powers, so she became a sage. Uh, I think that maybe like Naboru, there are some very outspoken people amongst the Gerudo that want to take, if not leadership, then really stand against the monarchy. And she is amongst one of them. And I guess she must have had lightning powers prior to getting the secret stone. But the combination of being very actively opposing him and, you know, having that magic elevated her to the Sage of Lightning. So you two would suggest that she became the chief of the Gerudo, because she is identified as such, that she rose to this position in the vacuum created by the Gerudo rejecting Ganondorf. Yes. Crystal? Yeah, I think Ganondorf abandoned the Gerudo before the Gerudo did. Okay, that makes sense to me. Ganondorf has his new army. It's very appealing to think of the possibility of a council or a queen that would have... Some kind of argumentative power. Yeah. We don't really see that with the Gerudo. Not in this game. It's hard to... Like, if you asked me in Breath of the Wild, sure, absolutely. If you asked me in Tears of the Kingdom, his power seems pretty absolute. Yeah. And during the Maldug attack, or during the arrival to the the court, we don't see the Sage of Lightning anywhere. We don't know that. I guess she could be dressed differently. Yeah. We know her face. She could be one of the biker chicks. Guess she could be the very neat Hornly. Yeah, she could be one of his personal guard. Wow, we're writing a fanfic, and it's already so much more compelling than what we were given. I mean, I guess in chiefdom there is a second, and it would be cool if she was the second. You could write a fanfic. Yeah, that'd be a good fanfic. <laughs> if anybody writes that fanfic, send it in to us. I'm not going to read that email, but I'll read the fanfic. I don't know if there could be... I guess there could be a queen. I thought you were going to say, I don't know if I'll read the fanfic. <laughs> I, I, the, the the male Grudo seems like he has a lot of duties. Yes. Crystal, who should read the second email? You decide. I'll do it. Okay. This one comes in from Jimmy. Is Ganondorf from Tears of the Kingdom the same character as Demise? Demise could just be a different name given to him during his years as the Demon King. One piece of evidence question mark, that you might want to consider. The Forgotten Temple is the same temple that sailed away, sealed away the imprisoned in Skyward Sword. When you go underneath Hyrule Castle to find Ganondorf, you travel north through the depths. 
because the area of the map wasn't visible when you reached him, I wasn't able to confirm that the Forgotten Temple is exactly above where they seal Ganondorf, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was. In this way, the Imprisoned would reasonably be considered a manifestation of, or similar to, the Calamity Ganon, a monstrous gas leak of the dreaded Demon King. Saying that they are the same person would place Skyward Sword firmly after the past events of Tears of the Kingdom. Demai saying he fought against Hylia could possibly be that he fought the gods, that is Zonai, who worshipped Hylia of that time. Or maybe Sonya is Hylia, and that is what he meant. Honestly, it might even make perfect sense for Sonya to be Hylia, dying to Demai slash Ganondorf, and reincarnating into Skyward Sword Zelda. The idea that she put the islands in the sky isn't technically wrong if Tears of the Kingdom Zelda, also a reincarnation of Hylia, did it with Mineru's help. Let me know what you think or if you disagree completely. We'll be interested in your answers regardless. Thanks, Jimmy. Ganondorf did not come from underground. That's true. And Demise did. Also true. But H could However, I do think that Zelda is Hylia. You mean Sonya? No, Zelda. Oh, yeah, Zelda. Oh, wait, hold on. You're saying that Tears of the Kingdom Zelda is the historical Skyward Sword Hylia. That's right. Please expand on this. <laughs> she went back further than anyone ever went to, and she's been around the whole time in the sky. Who knows what kind of influence she could have had on events. Monica? Um, Nintendo is not of up to doing this, but I think there could have been a place where Sonya dictated the creation of the sword or something, and they could have been the the backstory to Skyward Sword, but that's not what happened. It's not. So I have difficulty aligning those two. The big problem with this theory to me regarding Ganondorf and Demise being the same person is that the Demon King stays sealed from Raru's time all the way up to Tears of the Kingdom. Demise breaks out in Skyward Sword. Yes. Several times. Yes. That and... The demon, uh, sorry, Demise talks about interacting with Hylia. He definitively knows Hylia. He fought Hylia. There's no Zonai. Yeah, not that he mentioned. We know the exact peoples that, that were part of that fight. And no human was willing to stand up to him. I don't know, there are a lot of interesting ideas here, though. I kind of, yeah. I, 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 I do think that there's a lot, oh God. When, are we going to do an episode about redoing the timeline? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, well, in that case, we're going to have to talk a lot about Sonya, I think. Really hammer out exactly who she is and what her role is, because I still have the really basic interpretation of her character, where she is a priestess of the goddess. But who knows? Who fucking knows? I think there's a lot, again, of good fanfic material here, that you could be the person who connects those stories together. With a little bit of a nudge here and there. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think of the imprisoned as an incarnation of the Calamity? Oh, that's interesting. So Demise itself would also be an incarnation of the Calamity? Uh, well, Jimmy's email suggests that Demise is Ganondorf, but the imprisoned is a manifestation similar to the Calamity. Hmm. I see what Jimmy's talking about here. The idea uh, that we had going into this where we thought of the Calamity as a manifestation of Ganondorf's hatred. Yes. The Demon King's hatred. But we've kind of moved away from that a little bit. At least where it's like the Calamity doesn't contain the Demon King's consciousness or anything like that. Yes. And it's not working actively to free him. So, it, I don't know. Because the demeanor of the imprisoned 
is not really much like Demise. It is more similar to the Calamity, where it's just a big monster. Yeah, it's just a big wiggly boy. Wiggly toes. And it's trying to get out of there. How do you read it, Crystal? Um, they took these ideas from Skyward Sword and did them again in a slightly different way. I mean, that's true. <laughs> but there's so many details that don't line up that it's exactly like trying to make a link to the past fit with Ocarina of Time. Yes. I mean, you could just like hand wave that as the like the legends in Link to the Past were just an incorrect retelling of Ocarina of Time. That's how Ocarina of Time was clearly designed, at least. But it just doesn't fit. Doesn't it? A lot of things. I think it was designed to be the backstory, but Miyamoto just kind of didn't really care about making the details match up. (sighs) Yep. You know what? Yeah, okay. Which, you know, admirable. Is it? (laughs) I think it's fine to write a story and not link it up perfectly. Otherwise, you get a situation like the Star Wars Extended Universe, where everything must connect to some major significant person before for some reason. So you've got to straddle the line between this is the origin of Han Solo's jacket and somehow Palpatine has returned. Yes. The thing is, they do explain how he returns. That does not go unexplained. Did they explain how he returns? I'm sure they did. clones. I don't think that was actually in there. In the experience. They had the whole vat of clones. Snope was a failed clone or something. Clearly they made a good one. (laughs) No, no. I think that's actually just the hymn from the end of Return of the Jedi. Oh, I guess they must have, you know... Caught him. No, they just never explain it, the fuckers. It's not important. What's important is that the real bad guy is back. I don't follow up. I'm sure some expanded universe story has explained it. Look, I'm not rewatching that goddamned movie. No. To have a more informed version of this conversation. Third email. So what's up with Epona? Is the horse also being reincarnated like other characters? Or is that funny boy with the sword just extremely likely to name a horse this every time? Best, Stephen Proudfoot. I think the horse is being reincarnated. Well, it would be very funny to think of it like a Geralt and Roach situation. I think definitively in this game, if you try to register Epona at the stable, the stable person's like, that's Epona, the horse legend. You can't change its name. Yeah. So... I think even more than Epona being reincarnated, I think she's always the same horse. So she's not even reincarnating? No. She's like the great spirit of horses. That's her. Is that what the name comes from? Uh, Epona was a Celtic god of horses, I think. I could be wrong, but I think that's what it is. But yes, I think that even more than... um, Oh, what's the name of the horse god in this one? The horse fairy? <laughs> it's not Millennia, Blade of Mikola, but it's close to that. Something like that. Melania? No, that's the Blade of Mikola. <laughs> what is the horse god's name? I don't know. Do you know? What is it? Melania. Melania. Very close to Melania. So I, Epona is more constant than Melania is. They are the, as Ganon is the archetype of evil, Epona is the archetype of horses. She is a nature spirit, almost a god, who at this point exists throughout the ages. And her incarnation and importance in Ocarina of Time echoes backward and forward through time. No matter where a story is set or when a story is set, so long as a horse is possible, 
you will have a pawn up. Do we see a pawn up prior to, in any games prior to Ocarina of Time? No. Not to the best of my knowledge. You mean set earlier on the timeline? Yeah. There aren't a lot of those. Okay. What do you what do you think is happening? Okay, right, Crystal, you think that Epona's being reborn. Simple as that. Easiest explanation. And Monica, your take is Yeah, reborn, reincarnated. It could be the same spirit too. I'm open to that. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's the same horse. <laughs> but you see a young opponent in Ocarina of Time. So that is the beginning. Oh. That yes, is, it does feed into that theory. Yeah, that is the beginning, literally, of the legend of Epona, where she started out on this link. Does I know there's no in-game horse in previous games, but in paratext, is there any horse? Is there any art of Link riding a horse? I think that actually the first one of those that we really see, we might have one or two of them in an old Link to the Past manga. I don't. Well, yeah, maybe in a manga, but. Yeah, Link's riding a horse in a manga. Yeah, but that's the only ones that I could think of. Also, they come after... The, uh, Epona is not, I don't think, the first depiction of a horse if we include Zelda paratext. Like in the Choose Your Own Adventure books or novelizations or something, there's bound to be a horse in there somewhere. Yeah, in the uh, the Cyborg mangaka comic, Yeah, he rides a horse. Why do you ask, Crystal? I was curious. Oh, trying to find a good horse that doesn't fit the opponent mold? Yeah, you know, you gotta try to disprove it. That's how you do science. That's true. And if there's one thing that the book of Medora is, it's scientific fanfic. (laughs) Scientific rigor. (laughs) Okay, Crystal, I guess the fourth one is yours. In the Zelda TV series, Link rides a red mare named Catherine as his steed. Oh, yes, he does. That's a cute name for a horse. That's such what a... What is Catherine's relationship to Epona? Well, she predates Epona. She is before things move forward and backward in time. Because if that... There's also Cloud, Link's horse from the Shadow Prince. Yep, yep, I'm not surprised. I've seen a lot of art of Link riding Cloud. <laughs> Our fourth question... God damn it. Hi, <laughs> Crystal, Monica, and Cameron. I just wanted to follow up on Crystal's assertion in episode 23, part 2, that the hero shade is different from the spirit of the hero. Crystal is right about this, and the idea that one person can leave multiple impressions on the earth after their death has existed in myth for thousands of years. We see an example of this in Homer's The Odyssey, when Odysseus journeys to the land of the dead and meets Heracles. And next I caught a glimpse of powerful Heracles, his ghost I mean, The man himself delights in the grand feasts of deathless gods on high, from Robert Fagel's translation. Note that the other translations use terms like phantom, image, or, notably, shade, to describe the being Odysseus meets. The text is clear that while a portion of Heracles has been left among the mortal dead, his immortal spirit has ascended to Olympus to join the gods. Likewise, in Twilight Princess, the immortal spirit of the hero has reincarnated as Link, while part of Ocarina of Time's Link remains in the form of the hero Shade. It might make sense to think of the Shade as the mortal bits of the dead hero, left over after the immortal spirit reincarnates. While each Link shares the hero's spirit, they also have distinct histories and personalities. The core spirit reincarnates, while the specific of Ocarina of of Time Link's mortal life are cast off as the Shade. 
I hope this makes sense. Really enjoying your Tears of the Kingdom breakdown so far. From Jacob. Well, thank you, Jacob. Wow. That is an extremely cogent explanation. I still don't buy necessarily into the idea that the spirit of the hero needs to be an act of reincarnation. But of the explanations that I've heard, that's probably the best one. I love how educational this is. I am enriched by understanding a little bit more about Greek mythology and spiritual beliefs about spirits and ghosts over time. So thank you very much, Jacob. Thank you, Jacob. This is a very good idea. Yeah, it is. I like the idea because it's it's like instead of a grudge, it is your other desires, which also happens in other places in the Zelda series, including in Tears of the Kingdom, when Zelda leaves behind her will to grant her time powers to Link. Yes. So that's an idea we're going to have to return to as we get closer to the end of Tears of the Kingdom. But yeah, yeah, that solid. I, I, I don't see any holes to poke in this one, and I like it. Plus, it, it proves me right, which is very important. <laughs> that is yes. probably the most important element, is um, having Crystal be right for the purpose of this conversation. <clears throat> this next email is from Cassidy. She writes, Hi, first time, long time, great podcast, etc., etc. As far as I can recall, the geoglyphs were not present in Breath of the Wild, and to theorize that they were made before then would destabilize the time loop. As such, I think we should look solely at the facts. Fact. The geoglyphs were not present during the events of Breath of the Wild. Fact. Tears contain data. Oh, shit. Fact. After the seal is broken, Zonai constructs are seen on the surface. Fact. Link is unconscious for some amount of time before waking up on the Sky Islands. Considering these facts, I prevent the present the following hypothesis. During Link's recovery, surface Zonai constructs found the tears and used their data to create the geoglyphs. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts, Cassidy. Sent from my PuraPad Pro. What surface Zonai constructs? Um, I think that what she means to say is that the Zonai constructs who fell to the earth while Link was unconscious, the ones who were running around on the ground fighting bacoblins and shit, uh-huh, also found the geoglyphs or found the tears and built the geoglyphs the problem with this theory to me is that it doesn't explain why there's that giant construct constructed room in the back of the forgotten temple where the geoglyphs are clearly outlined yeah yes we also don't really see constructs close to the tears which i don't know if that's deliberate or not i don't know i mean i'm not against that idea yeah i can can i be perfectly honest cassidy i thought you were going to say like, your conclusion was going to be the only clear explanation is that Breath of the Wild did not happen. <laughs> I, I when, when I was going through the facts, or you were reading the facts, when it said tears contain data, I thought, well, if it contains data of the memory, it could very well write itself into the ground. Zonai shit does do that. Yeah. It turned on <laughs> the electric circuit. Actually, Crystal, I want to ask you that now. Why is it that you haven't used your geoglyphs in the argument that Breath of the Wild didn't happen? Uh, because it's very easy to me for me to imagine that they were just slightly under the surface the whole time, and the upheaval revealed them. It just shook the dirt off of them? That's right. That makes sense. And when the tears refall, you know, I, I do like the electric circuit analogy. They were, they were turned on. Yes, that does make sense. I think that Impa or someone has a theory about the geoglyphs being carved in by the ancients as they 
perceive the memories. That's Impa. Yeah. And, you know, she doesn't have to be right, but it sounds pretty it's valid. In, it's intended that we would assume that she's right. Mm. No, they definitely were there before. Cassie, I don't mean to take away from the idea. It's just that the first thing that jumped out at me was that ancient room at the back of the Forgotten Temple. Maybe the people who made that room saw the future. I mean, that is a running thing in this series. I can't take away from that possibility either. Maybe they saw the future so they know they knew what shapes to carve. Oh. <laughs> That's possible. I mean, that you're, you're not wrong exactly. You could be right. There is... The thing about this game is that the possibility for that definitely exists. So you know what, Cassidy? Valid theory. <laughs> Where'd the Song of Storms come from? Paradox. You want to talk about a closed time loop that's not a closed time loop? Okay, if you had to rank the Zelda games in terms of how fucky they get with time, at least the ones that do get fucky with time, which would be Majora's Mask, Ocarina of Time, Oracle of Ages, and Skyward Sword... Because, okay, and Tears of the Kingdom. Which of those is the most fucky with time? Majora's Mask. That's a perfectly good pick. I think that Majora's Mask, in a sense, because all of your collective good deeds across the different days, uh, cycles, collapse together, supposedly. Yeah, you carry them with you. But you can do just about all of it in one cycle, too, which I personally explain for. <laughs> That's how I explain it. Because I had to prove to myself that it could be done. Not the conflicting bits. Granny still needs to get mugged. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we might be underselling how fucky Skyward Sword gets with Skyward time. Skyward Sword is bad. <laughs> but I'm I'm okay with naming Majora's Mask as the big no, one. No, I, 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 think, I think it is not Majora's Mask for that reason. Oh, it's Skyward Sword? Yeah, or Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time does some shit. I love how every time travel Zelda game has completely different logic behind his time travel. It's hilarious. It's great. It's like Dragon Ball. It's a lot like Dragon Ball. I, I, I think one of my favorite bits is actually from Oracle of Ages, where something in the past will change, and somebody will look down at themselves and be like, why am I only four years old now? What happened? <laughs> or some people turn to stone. Yeah, and it's like, why did my husband turn into a rock? It's like, what... <laughs> What could have trans... What happened? What they yeah. remember all of the past that they originally experienced, but they're living in the effects of the new past. It's very cartoony, and I like that. Uh, Monica, you take this last one. Hello. Loving the discussion around Tears of the Kingdom. I had a question regarding the secret stone that Zelda possesses through the game. It falls out of Raru's hand at the beginning of the game. She collects it uses it to go back in time, and then eventually swallows it to become the Light Dragon. So how does it end up in the Sky Temple of Time for Link to then use for its recall power? Does the Light Dragon eventually poop it out? Thanks, Nick. I think that this is a record. We've never mentioned poop twice in one episode before. <laughs> How'd it get there? When you look at that scene again, it's just the shadow of a secret stone that's there. It's not glowing. The secret stone is not actually there. That secret stone is inside of the light dragon still. It is just the image, the echo of the secret stone, a symbol of the will and power that Zelda leaves behind to you. Because she... A stone's shade. Yes, in a sense. Yeah, this is the moment where we talk about, you know, potentially this is the shade of Zelda. 
the shade of her power left behind because she is not the time dragon. She's the light dragon. She leaves her time power, which was up to that point enhanced by the secret stone. She leaves it back there for you. That's interesting. She split herself. Yes, absolutely. And it's very important for how the ending works. It's one of the ways the ending could work. I yes. Guess. Yeah. No, this for my reading of the ending, it's very important. I don't think that the dragon pooped it out. Crystal, do you think the dragon pooped it out? No, I think it's still inside the dragon. Okay. Because doesn't she have it at the end? She does, yes. yes. Yeah. And notably, Link doesn't need the secret stones to do his stuff. The secret stones are with the sages. Yes. He just needs a handshake or a fist bump. Well, he doesn't use any of these powers for himself. It's not like the champions who literally place their powers inside of him. Yeah, but except for Zelda's. I mean, yes, Zelda's is different. She puts it into his arm. But I mean the... If... Go ahead, Crystal. If Link had a secret stone, what would it do for him? You know, me and Monica talked about this for a while. Yes. What do you think it would do, Crystal? Devil trigger. A devil (laughs) trigger? What's a devil trigger? It's like a super mode in an action game where you become faster and more powerful. Uh It's like Link could be in his uh, slow-mo all the time. So that's the sage of... Flurry Rush. (laughs) (laughs) See, I had the idea that maybe it would be like the sage of the act of cutting. Like Chainsaw Man? Yeah. (laughs) Zandatsu. Cuts and take. Or maybe, like, you can't be the sage of swords, can you? I guess you could. I think that he's likewise got time and light in him. Yeah, Monica just assumed he would be the sage, sorry. Of, sage of light and valid. Sage of cooking. Hey, that's not an element, but it's Over fair. time, that is like the most useful skill. Yes. In is. most years and ages, that's the sage you want. I guess if you, I guess in this setting, I would, since since that particular type of sage is gone, I would make him the sage of the forest. That is very nice. You fucking ain't right it is. I like that shit. Okay, so... But he could also be the sage of nothing. Yeah, maybe it just wouldn't work for him. Because what's it going to be? The sage of whooping more ass? <laughs> yeah, that's the, that'd be a good DLC ability. I think the thing about him is Link, his powers don't really in many ways come from within. At least when he's inhabited by the player. They are bequeathed to him by other people. He is lifted up by the people around him. So it doesn't quite fit with the idea that he would be a sage whose strength is enhanced by this thing he's carried around. And it's why he forms contracts with the other sages for their support. And the rest of his power is through his own hard work and exercise. And he gets power from the fairies. He gets power from Zelda. He gets power from the sword, from proving himself. From a lot of women. He can't be a sage, is what I would say. The sage of sponge. He is the sage of sponge. Sponge? Oh. He, he absorbs. Contracts. And power and so sage forth. Sage of contracts. That That's a very Monica thing to think is cool. <laughs> of agreements. Yeah. The sage of covenants. Yeah. There we go. Fuck. Now we've given it a cool name. <laughs> it's just a contract. Yeah, I guess. That's just the contract with God. A contract with God? That's a pretty good graphic novel, I think. I haven't read it in like 15 years. Did you ever read that one, Crystal? I never read that one. I don't know if I should recommend it or not. Again, it's been a long time. I remember thinking it was very good. And we're done. We're done. Cameron, where can people find you? You can find me online at CamWriter on Twitter. Where can people send us emails? You can send emails. 
to the... Sorry, I almost read the name wrong. To send an email to our podcast, please send it to bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Once more, bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at ArcaneCrystal and on Patreon at ArcaneCrystal where you can listen to episodes of this podcast a week early. And you can also find other podcasts on this network at AudioEntropy.com. If you go to AudioEntropy.com, go to the About section, there will be a link to the Discord where you can come talk to us about Zelda in the Discord server. Wow. And you can listen to other great Audio Entropy podcasts, like ones that I'm on, like Eidolon Playtest, an actual play podcast about people with Eidolons, which are kind of like personas or stands. It's about two groups of teenage detectives, one in 1979, which mysteriously disappeared, and one in 1999, which is looking for their whereabouts. That seems like a neat premise. Would you like to hear one of the 13 Legend of Zelda puns <laughs> that are too hilarious for oh, words no. from thegamer.com? Please. There. This is number two. What happens when you post a Zelda song? What happens? A copyright strike is Nintendo. Maybe not as funny as we would like. This is the type of joke that humans tell to help deal with the general trauma of existence. (laughs) Nintendo has always been more vigilant than other gaming companies when it comes to its IPs. But recent activities have raised the eyebrows of even the most lawfully good gamer. Given how popular streaming is and how most gaming companies embrace it for the free publicity and general goodwill... It is puzzling that Nintendo shuts down every Twitch user and YouTube channel that so much as whispers a few notes of a song. It seems counter-logical and just spiteful. Counter-logical. The explanations here... That's 90% of why I'm asking Crystal to read these. These are puns so bad, I can't laugh, which really is hard. Emma Nintendo. Okay, that one's kind of funny. (laughs) Okay, then. But the explanation ruins it back down, but you've made it back up again that it was funny. Okay. Thank you, Crystal. Um, God. Did y'all hear about that thing that happened recently where a streamer who streamed a 10-year-old visual novel um, in Japan was sentenced to, like, two years in prison? Yeah, that was crazy. That's fucking insane. I did not hear. Like, I heard that shit, and we, we, we... rightfully take the piss out of Nintendo with regards to their attitudes towards piracy and games preservation because they are definitely the villains in the industry when it comes to that shit. But the idea of sending someone to jail for playing an old game on stream... Who is the publisher? I'm, I'm not sure. I'll look it up after the... Uh, it was Steins Gate, so I think oh. Katakawa. Katakawa, yeah. Yeah, they've got their fingers in a lot of pies. That is a miscarriage of justice. That is far beyond the pale. And that's the end of the episode. Good night, everybody. Pirate shit. Bye.